All right, welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is the third episode of our current series on resolving conflicts. And in this episode, we're going to concentrate on conflicts in the church. Um, unless you've been living in a cave by yourself uh, all of your life, uh, any interaction that you're going to have with other human beings, there is always the potential for conflict. And I think, uh, unfortunately, oftentimes that just seems to rear its ugly head uh, within the church. And I know uh, within the last, oh, three to four years, I think there's things that I haven't seen in my life. And now that I'm 62 years old, I think I do have a little bit more life that I can look back on, but I don't ever remember it being to this extent where there's conflict in the church over just a, a myriad of things, whether we're talking about politics, vaccines, masks, racial justice, uh, you know, the environment and, and climate change. Uh, all of these things are fracturing the church right now. Uh, and I'm not talking about our particular church, but the church, uh, universal, where we're seeing that everywhere. And uh, it's, it's causing damage to the name of Christ, where the outside world is watching. And, and what they're seeing is, is not a pretty thing. And so uh, my name is Bob Harding. Uh, again, we got Frankie Creel, Steve Green, and Phil Price. We're all elders at Cross Life Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And again, we're going to be talking about conflicts in the church, and I don't think there's any better way uh, than to start off uh, with a quotation from Jesus Christ himself. He says in the longest sermon that we have recorded in the Bible, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 9, he says, Blessed, or could be uh, translated happy, are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And in that statement itself, uh, we're going to be known as children of God by the way we keep peace. Um, Pastor Acts 29 Pastor Tony Morita says that when it comes to um, being peacemakers, uh, these are normally our tendencies. Uh, the first one is peace breakers, uh, where we will have where we're in conflict uh, with somebody and we go into the fight mode where we just dig in and we want to fight, or we are peace fakers. Those are the people who have the flight mode or the freeze mode, as uh, Counselor Adam Young says, where we just we want it to go away. And so we will just do whatever it takes to make the conflict go away. Um, and so that's normally the two um, tendencies that we have uh, when it comes to approaching conflicts um, in general, and I think oftentimes uh, within the church itself. And so uh, we've got some questions that we're going to work through. Uh, the very first one is, this is uh, uh, kind of uh, pretty contemporary. It says, my friend is posting crazy stuff on social media. Should I address it with them? And if so, how? Talking about wanting to start a conflict. What do we do with that? Uh, you got a friend who is just posting crazy stuff on social media, and we're not going to get into specifics of what that would be because I don't want to have any conflicts within the, our church when I see people on Sunday. Uh, so uh, when they're doing that, um, should we address it with them? And if so, how do we do that? Or, or how do we do that in a way that it is not going to lead into uh, a major conflict with them? Uh, with the first part, posting crazy stuff. One, crazy stuff um, could be defined as just silly jokes or random stupid things, or it could be defined as harmful things that are shared. Um, let's let's say so, that let's say that they're posting. You you know. Uh, that they're not fact-checking stuff, and it's just these crazy conspiracy theories about whatever is the hot topic of the day. Okay, and, and they're posting that kind of stuff, which, as you just said, could be very damaging if people take it seriously. And so they're posting that type of stuff. Is that something that we should address with them? And again, if so, then how do we do that? Yeah. So, so taking that into the into account, like if it is like crazy conspiratory stuff it's 
I, I would hesitate to make an absolute statement on that, but mm-hmm. I would I would hesitate to say that it's a sin issue. It's it's probably going to not be a sin issue. So your obligation to step in and say, "Hey, so and so, you're in sin," is probably non-existent. Um, that being said, conspiracies can have a damaging effect on people's opinion and how people function in the world. So, um, should you address it? I don't know, but if you do address it, just address it in the way of, Hey, this is what I see you doing. This is the effect I see it having. Like you're saying this, it's damaging people this way. I don't, I don't see any negative unless the person is completely opposed to any kind of confrontation of any sort. Mm. I don't see any negative effects of going to a person and saying, Hey, I think this is damaging. Can we have a conversation about why you post this and is Mm -hmm. it beneficial or should you do that? Yeah. I I think like, like you said, Bob, it kind of depends on what's going on and what's saying. I mean, I mean, it may beg the question of, Hey, just let me ask you why, why, do you post some of the stuff you post? Mm. I mean, it's, I mean, and it's not saying, Hey, you're, this is wrong or this is, you know, f- find a loving way just to talk to them in, in a way that's not, um, abrasive, I guess, but just like, why, why, why do you post some of the stuff that you're posting? Just, just to try to understand a little bit more where they're coming from. Um, because if you're, I mean, if obviously if it's a friend, then hopefully then that sure. be a good, healthy, yeah. healthy conversation. Um, because I, I you know, Coaching my softball team, um, one of the things that we I, I talk to the girls about all the time, you, you never know who's watching, mm. and you never know what's going on. And so to always try to hold yourself in a place of um, being better. Um, a good example, this past weekend, you know, we were playing in a, in a tournament, and um, the other team, we... We're beating this other team, and so they started. The other team was acting a fool. I mean, they're doing stuff that's not sportsmanlike, mm-hmm. and and just saying things and doing things. And it was started frustrated a couple of the girls. And when they came in in between innings, they looked at me and they're like, "Hey, we're going we're to do the same things right back to them." And I'm like, "No, no, we're not." I mean, and it wasn't nothing like. I mean, they're just like rattling cages and shaking stuff. Sure. I mean, so what? I mean, it wasn't nothing. It was just ridiculous. Um, and so but I was like, no, we're, we're going to act better than that. We're going to win with class and we're going to win with sportsmanship. And the whole idea is, you know, teaching them because they're at the age now, 16 year old girls, 15, 14, 15, 16 year olds, where you never know when a college coach is out in the stands because sure. they're here to, see, here to see somebody else. And you start acting a fool that puts not only you in a bad place, but it puts us in a bad place. Mm-hmm. And so just remind them, you never know who's watching and why they're watching. And those, and because we beheld ourselves in that way, it was so funny because there was some good stuff that came out of that. Cause that, that, um, because somebody was watching. Yeah. And, and um, and so that was the whole thing. It's like, it's like that would be my, that would be my gear mm. towards talking to the person. It's like, Hey, you, you don't know who's reading this. You don't know. So, Maybe ask why do you feel the need to post some of the stuff that they're posting, and if it's when they have a good logical, okay, then that's okay. I, you know, I, I'm good with that. I mean, but it depends on like what you define as, like Steve said, what, what is crazy stuff. Sure. Um, so because if it is harmful, then let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the things that first comes to mind for me is when you see something or that you either disagree with or. Um, you feel shouldn't be posted or is irresponsible. The first thing you do is you check your own motives. You know, look, look at why this is bothering you. You mm. know, what <laughs> is this bothering you because the person happens to be taking the opposite viewpoint that you hold? Yeah. Right. Um, is this bothering you because uh, you know you have a personal reason why? You know, I, I, there's things I see and, and I and I know how harmful it can be. And this person probably hasn't even thought that this could be harmful. Right. You know, they're just putting out something out there. Um, so I think checking your motives first and then looking at the content of what they're actually saying carefully. If it's just something you disagree with, let, let it, it go. go. Yeah, yeah, let it yeah. go. You know, as far Do as it's not say with, it, Bob. Yeah, as far as it's with you. <laughs> so tempted. What does it say? As far as it is within you, be at peace with all men. So if as long as there is not no no harm being done. Now, right. if it comes to a point where someone is obviously 
posting something that is patently untrue can be completely easily proven to be false. And you know they're a believer, and they are posting it as a believer. Then I think it's incumbent upon right. you to not on social media get in contact with the <laughs> right, person right. And, and and um and say, hey, I saw you posted this. You know, I know. You know, we can disagree on some things, but did you realize that? And then. Give them the truth. Have you a know, healthy where, conversation. Where there is falsehood, yeah. we 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 share truth. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that that's the goal. Worst thing you can do, worst thing you can do is respond with a snarky comment. You know, the Facebook is set up to create. Oh, let me delete my Facebook yeah, right account. There, there. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels so good. At I the know. Moment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then to get all these likes, and it's like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I won. I have more likes than you do. Well, that that being true, um, that it's probably wisest to confront a person like that, you know, off the, the public platform. Although I have seen certain people in the past do it quite well, whether they'll address it quite publicly and, and do it in a perfect way where it's not attacking the person. It's right. simply in like, love, yeah. Hey, I love you. Here's this. Here's the facts. Here's another perspective. You know, and, yeah. and just move on with that. And there's no animosity between, um, the opposing viewpoints. It's just you have yours, I have mine, and and the two people move on. So I have seen it done well. I have seen it done quite poorly at times. The, tr- the truth, not in love, right? Yes. So yes. You, can, you can throw the truth out there and it, it be unloving, mm-hmm. and it really has the opposite effect that you're intending. Well, I think that's oftentimes how these things escalate to where it actually becomes a conflict where – uh, I think we've said it in our uh, last episode where, you know, we have to be right. And I don't care about the tone or whatever. I don't care if it's going to make this other person look like a fool. I'm going to make my point. Um, that might even be your goal to make them look like a yes, fool. Yes. That's it, why very I said, well, look at your... Look at your yes. Uh, yes, exactly. And I, I think uh, there's another question here. It's on the, the sheet that I think it's important for us to ask ourselves when we're getting into this is what hills are worth dying on. You know, is it really worth dying on this hill about, you know, the person's opinion whether, you know, pepperoni and banana peppers should go on a pizza or not? Uh, I'm just trying to throw out something silly because as soon as I say something that's legitimate, I'm, we're going like, to end up getting in trouble. Like pineapple that yeah, should that never. The, yes. Should always uh, be on pizza. Yeah. See, yeah. see, there we go. See, right there. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so we need to realize. Right, and Steve out back later. <laughs> and I think it's important. Phil just said it. I think if it's actually, uh, if a person is taking stuff that's just blatantly false and it can be proven within a nanosecond how blatantly false it is and just need to address it with that person, you know, you're perpetuating this lie by constantly doing this. I think that is an appropriate time, but I think my, both of you said don't do it on a social media platform, do it offline, do it with a phone call, meet them for coffee, meet them for pineapple and ham pizza or whatever. Uh, now, does, and, that, does that include when they do the show, those math problems and say, can you solve this math problem? <laughs> and, and everybody has a different answer. Cause that, that that's, that's where um, no. you just, that's <laughs> no. when you just get off of social media. I scroll past those. <laughs> yes, I do too, because I was after I solve it and get it right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. See there. That's why I never do those things uh, because I can't. Um, so I think it's so important for us to go back to what Jesus said. Blessed or happy are the peacemakers, not those who are looking for the next fight, not those who are having to prove their point, uh, you know, and make their point so that they look good or they get more likes than the other person or the other person uh, looks like a moron because of, you know, your excellent arguments that you had with, with whatever it is. I think we just need to, to go at it with grace. And again, as I said, we need to realize, is this hill worth dying on? Does it really matter if I've made this point and, and I am right? Uh, at, does it really matter? In the grand scheme of things, in eternity, is that going to amount to um, you know, anything at that point? Is that going to be a well-done, good and faithful servant? Or what in the world were you thinking of uh, when you did that? So any other comments on that? As I said at the beginning, unfortunately for the church, um, conflicts can um, pop up almost on a weekly basis. I've been, 
I've heard of churches arguing and splitting over the color of carpet in a new building. I have spent, not here at this church, but I have spent elders meetings going to one o'clock in the morning discussing whether we should serve, have people bring coffee into the worship area or not, uh, or whether they should be able to drink it in the lobby or outside. And all of those things that just seem Actually, you question, why are we even discussing this in the first place? But since we are discussing it, even those little things can lead to splits. And what makes it so easy uh, for us in the day and age we live in, particularly here in Spartanburg County, uh, I forget what it is now. I did it a couple years ago where I added up the number of churches that are here in the county. It's phenomenal. It was over 400 when I did the count. And it's like... I get ticked off with somebody, I'll just go to the church down the street. I don't need to resolve this conflict with them. I'll just go to the next church until I get ticked off with somebody else there. And this new church plant has just started, so I will go there. And we just keep kicking the can down the road, so to speak, and we don't uh, address things, which I think is um, very unhealthy for us to continue to run from things that are in the church. All right, I'm going to read uh, talking about um, conflict, talking about relation, not conflict, talking about relationships um, in the church. I'm going to read Colossians uh, chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. Paul says this to the church at Colossae, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, and I think this is what we need to think of when we're getting ready to um, face conflict with somebody. He says this, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you rich let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wow. That is just so packed with such beautiful things. What are some things that jumped out to you guys um, as Paul is addressing this to the church of Colossae? Uh, what are some things that jumped out to you in this uh, passage of Scripture that can go a long way in helping resolving conflict uh, with fellow believers in the church? Uh, I think verse 14 there stands out to me as, well, it, it says, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And unity being the key word there. Um, I know this is jumping back to um, our last episode of marriage conflict or conflict within marriage. Um, one of the things that um, greatly helped Sarah and I as we managed our own conflict was simply to say, like, when, when we knew that we were about to engage in an argument or a conflict of some sort, um, we started the habit and it's, it's kind of become just assumed at this point um, because we've said it so much over the past few years is that we're going to state and verbally say just on the outset of any argument that, Hey, I'm on your team. Mm. It's like, we're, we're on the same team. We're not against each other. We disagree we have a completely different viewpoint at this point, but we're on the same team. We have the same goal. We want a healthy marriage. We want a healthy family. We want to raise our kids well. We want to we want to love each other well. We just don't agree on that, but we're on the same team. Now, with, with that understanding, let's delve into where we disagree, mm. where the conflict is, and it it greatly helped that. So when it, when it talks about, um, the having that love, the perfect bond of unity, it's within the church. It's, I love you as a brother and sister in Christ. So 
I'm, I don't want ill for you, or I, I shouldn't, if my motives are pure, I don't want ill for you. I don't want harm to come to you mm. um, um, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. Um, I want the best for the body of Christ. So any conflict that you enter into, um, if, if you understand that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, that conflict that we enter into should be for the benefit of the other, for the benefit of the church as a whole, not to degrade or demean or to beat down anyone. It should be for the betterment of the mm. body of Christ. Um, and, and I know people confronting me about my sin, it's not pleasant. Sure. It doesn't, it doesn't feel uplifting in the moment. But if if someone comes to me and says, "Hey, Steve, you have this this sin issue that needs to be dealt with," in the end, if if we both approach it with the the attitude of um, someone's coming to me in love, wanting to you know reconcile me to Christ in that mm. moment, um, then then there can be some actual repentance and reconciliation and and growth through all that. And it's not it's not beating a person down. It's it's bringing a person up in the end. Mm. Um, so that that unity and love, um, kind of defines the parameters of how you approach it. It's I don't I don't want to beat you down. I mm. want to I want to bring you up. And and along the way, maybe I'm brought up as well as I as I approach another person. Sure. With, with a conflict. Great. What else? You know, it says bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you. Mm. Um, so you also are able to forgive. Jesus said it a lot more strongly. Um, he said, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, him saying that, and I don't want to get into a theological conversation about what that means, and are you or are you not forgiven? <laughs> um, because we could be here all night. But um, I think the point is, is that as forgiven ones, we forgive. Mm. And if you are struggling to forgive another, or to reconcile with another, or 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 um, deal with um, uh, conflict with another, um, then maybe there's still conflict between you and God. Maybe there's unforgiveness still there. Maybe you don't understand the grace that's been given to you if you're withholding that grace from someone mm. else. And and I think it's just a, a caution to us when we find ourselves with an unforgiving heart that we're missing something. There's, there's a piece that's that's not there that needs to be. And I, I love, uh, you know, what you said going back to scripture i think is so important because paul says in verse 16 let the word of christ dwell richly among you or dwell extravagantly among you in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another uh, allowing god's word to be our standard when we're looking at uh, addressing conflict what does god's word say um, how should I address this through God's word and letting his word dwell in us richly? And then he says, you know, the wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another. How do we do that? Through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So I know Steve appreciates this, but Paul is indicating here that as we're admonishing one another, it's through worship is where that's going to take place, um, where our eyes are focused on Christ, uh, as Phil said, and then through worship is how we can get to the point where we can admonish one another without it going to uh, the level of it turning into a conflict, uh, which I think is just uh, pretty amazing when it comes right down to it, personally. Any other comments on that? You talk about um, ad- scripture talks about worship or um, admonishing one another through songs, hymns, spiritual songs through through worship. Um, the obvious thing about worship is that it's not about you, mm. like it's about something greater and outside of you. So, 
if we're um, to bring it back to the the idea of conflict, if we're to um, put it put conflict into the context of worship, then the the outcome of the conflict shouldn't be about me desiring a certain outcome or me desiring a certain outcome for you. Mm. It should it should be about the glory of God in the mm. end. So uh, that that's a really, really cool concept that uh um it's it's not about you. It's not about the other person. It's about the glory of God in the end. So your conflict, whatever it is, um, however severe it might be, um, if you if you're approaching it properly, um, you can almost, in a sense, be detached from it. In that, I'm not disappointed if I don't get the outcome that I want. If if you don't respond exactly mm-hmm. how I want you to re- to respond, then that that's okay because it's it's not about me and it's not about you. Mm. It's it's about the glory of God. So. In the moment, I want to choose what is right and what is appropriate in the moment and let the outcome be what it may. That's awesome. I mean, because you think about it, and, and we're not, when we're talking about conflicts in the church, we're not talking about sin issues that, that need to be addressed. I mean, that's something that needs to be done. When I say conflicts uh, in the church, it's over, well, I don't think the elders did this right, or I wish they had done this, or this is what I think we need to do. And because you're not listening to me about this, or I think this is what you need to emphasize. I know uh, there's a local pastor that um, when, um, Black Lives Matter and, and racial justice was was a real hot topic uh, not that long ago. Within their com- his community group, one couple was saying, you're not addressing this hard enough, so we're going to leave. There was another couple that was in the very same group that says, you're addressing this too much. We are going to leave the church. And it's like, wait a minute. Um you know, this doesn't make any sense to me. This isn't a sin issue. This is this is matters of opinion. This is addressing things in certain ways. And that's what I love about what you were just saying, Steve. If we're if we're looking at this through, is this going to glorify God? And that's what worship is about, is glorifying God for who he is. And if we start addressing these things, well, does this glorify God if I take this stance? Or is it going to glorify God if I leave over something that in the grand scheme of things is pretty silly? Uh, to leave about um, that is um, really good to make sure that we're focusing on worshiping God. I'm going to read another passage of scripture that's going to be similar to this that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Uh, and again, we're going to see, I want you guys to be listening to some key points that are in here about uh, resolving conflict with uh, fellow believers. So this is Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 6. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul talking, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So what are some things that here that Paul addresses that can also help us uh, when it comes to resolving conflict with our brothers and sisters in Christ? I just I just feel like in like both these passages and and just I guess as I've gotten older in life, um, the focus for me has always a lot of times been on love. The whole, how am I approaching the other person in, mm. in, a, in a loving way? Um, whether it's my spouse, whether it's a friend, whether it's whatever. Um, I was looking at um, a couple of different verses. I mean, you look at First uh, Corinthians thirteen. You know, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have a prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and about, and if I have all faith. So as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, 
but I have not love, I gain nothing. Um, I mean, love is, you know, love should be at a place where, like what Steve was saying, it's, you know, it's, it's beneficial to, to the person, right? Like if, if, if I love that person and I'm trying to, and there's an issue there, then I want what's best for that person. Um, in a loving, I guess in a loving, you know, how are you handling that in a loving way? Cause here's the thing. It's like, if I do stuff expecting my result, then I'm not doing it in a loving way. Mm. I mean, I, I may be doing it in a loving way, but it's a love of myself. Um, you know, I, I've used this example for in the past. Like if, um, and it goes back like, you know, Steve uses the, his relationship with Sarah, but it's, it's, it's like a marriage thing to me. All right. Cause like, that's how I, I, I look at things. So if I clean my house for my spot for Melanie and she walks in, you know, and she doesn't give me the response I want. And so I get upset that I didn't clean the house out of love. No matter how much I felt like I did, I'm cleaning this house because I love my wife. I'm doing this because I, you know, I'm cooking dinner because I love my wife. But I don't get the recognition I deserve, or the recognition I feel I deserve. Then I didn't do it out of love. I did it out of love myself. Sure. Uh, whereas if I do those things and she says nothing, but she enjoys the meal or she enjoys the fact that the house is clean, then I did it out of love for her. That's all that sure. matters. I love her, so I served mm. her for her benefit for her. And so it's the same thing, I feel like, in all conflict, right? It should be, that's how we approach it, out of, out of love. I mean, bearing with one another in love, um, what, you know, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of mm. you. Know I mean, so in both of these verses, love is a stronghold. Sure. And we see that in, even Christ in, in John 13 uh, when when Jesus says, you know, you'll know they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Yep. Um, so it's the whole idea of, of of just love, but understanding what love is. Love is not about serving me. It's about how can I be serving to others and beneficial to others, mm-hmm. whether it's conflict or not conflict. Mm. That's good. And I think with Paul here, I mean, it, it takes work. Uh, to um, avoid conflict or when there is conflict to work towards peace because he says making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace um, it takes work uh, it isn't gonna it and a lot of times it's not going to be naturally what we want to do as sinful human beings but when we're yielded to the Holy Spirit and we're um, doing this in humility gentleness, patience and as Frankie just said bearing with one another in love then we can make every effort uh, to keep the bond of peace uh, or keep the unity of experience of the spirit excuse me through the bond of peace because um, he reminds us there's one body we're it uh, we're the church we're the family um, and so we need to I love your illustration of you know just like we work things out in marriage relationships as a family that's the way the church should operate Right. I mean, like, if, even if you go back to the illustration you use of, of, the, of the pastor with the, with the Black Lives Matter, where one person says you're not handling it enough, yep. and the other person says you're handling it too much. Yeah. I mean, both of those are going out of love for themselves. Sure. Right? Exactly. You know, yeah. if you go out of love opinions, for... Right. right. Yeah. You, so, yeah. yeah, you're you're not meeting my expectations as far as my opinions are concerned, and so I'm out of here. Or... Worst case scenario, good thing it didn't happen here where they just start, you know, raising a stink about it in the church and getting this church split because, well, we think he's not doing this enough or we think he's doing it too much and just causing going down that road, which is not out of love. Well, it is. It's loving yourself. Right. Uh, As James said, we've already discussed that before in James 4. So those evil desires we have about ourselves and getting it our way uh, is what drives um, conflict. That gets that gets complicated though, because you get into issues where uh, people don't see it as just their own personal desires. They they feel it as a a strong personal conviction that this is what's right, mm-hmm. and and that's based on a, a whole bunch of different things. Um, but it's easy it's easy for us to write it off as oh you're just being selfish and nobody's validating your opinion. But for them, from their perspective, they're 
that's that's a deep and strong held conviction for them. So, um, I'm not. I don't think I'm saying that they're. I hope I'm not saying. No, but don't come across that way. That they're being selfish, like in, in that. This is. But like, you need to evaluate. Like, where's this coming from? You know what I'm saying? Like, because if I'm if I'm willing to approach Bob with an issue, um, out of the say, whatever the topic is, whether it's him, uh. Preaching exegetically, I'm butchering that word right now. Exegetically, there you go. Yes. I'm tired. It's late. Um, <laughs> or it, whether he just, he preaches topical sermons. So I have to ask myself: if, am, am I approaching this from you know? Yeah. You know. So there's like there's a fine. It's a fine line. It's, especially from somebody on the on the outside, it's a gray area. It's like I I do not know your heart intentions. Right. Um. So you're you're having to evaluate it from from the outside, which is difficult. But, um, like we can see it one way, as in this person is just holding on to something that's really not all that important, or or they could handle it a whole lot differently. But for them in the moment, it's it's a strongly held conviction, which just makes it makes it weird. Yeah, it but does make but, it weird. But but it, you, I think you still. St- if it's something that you're strongly convicted about, then you stay and you fight and you you work it out. Well, for a family, then you talk and you work through it. You don't just mm, you, good it, point. you know what I'm saying. Very so you just point. don't give up and just well, okay, they don't believe this way. I'm out. I, I, if I if I truly believe in something that is that big of a conviction to me, then I'm gonna talk it out with Bob and if, sure and our or whoever the pastor or elders are and, and try to come to an agreement. Now I'm not saying that there's never a time because if you if, if you feel like it's such a theological issue that Right. Then, if, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, because when I've left churches, that's what it was. It's like if I feel like my family is not getting cared for in a biblical way that I see what the Bible calls, and we and there's no a way to a, a, to make that agreement meet. Then yeah, yeah. I mean, you yeah. have to. Fair. That's right. Fair. Yeah. And I think it's incumbent upon, especially us as elders and church leaders, to make sure that we are communicating so that both sides of whatever conflict they're addressing it with humility gentleness and patience on whether it's a strong conviction that I have, I still need to hold that loosely in my hands in humility and gentleness. And we need to bear with one another in love. I mean, I need to put up with Steve's, you know, putting, or was it you, Frankie, that was putting pineapple on, you know, I love pineapple on pizza, but I need to bear with you in that. (laughs) Um, And I I know that sounds silly, but um, don't don't drag my name into that. uh, You're right. You're right. I, 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 I did correct myself. And so I'm coming to you in humility and I just need you to be gentle and patient with patient with the old man. Uh, But when we look at those things and we're, I think it's a teaching opportunity uh, for particularly for those who are mature in Christ, to point out those things and to, as you guys said, don't just run. Let's sit down and let's discuss this uh, and look at it uh, from a biblical perspective. Um, He goes on further in that chapter, um, in uh, chapter 4, verses 25 to 27, he says, Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another, which I think is huge. But then he says this. This is this is interesting to me. He says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. So Paul, as he's writing, gives us... Uh, the whatever, well, I know I, I almost kind of hate to use this, but the righteous anger. He says... It's okay to be angry, but don't let that spill over into sinful activity as far as your words, your actions. Um, and he cautions us, don't let the sun do- go down on your anger, because why? It gives the devil a foothold. Um, it's like you're climbing a rock face and you're rock climbing, and Satan's looking in your life, and he's looking for footholds where he can you know, dig his talons in and get stuck in there to um, cause that relationship with your brother or sister in Christ to um, to end up in a place that it's not supposed to be. So what are, what are some things here? Uh, I've already mentioned several, but is there anything else in this passage that's important for us uh, when we're in conflict with a brother or sister in Christ in a church context? I think one of the 
most misunderstood statements in Scripture may be "Be angry and do not sin," um, and and I am I'm one of those people who is conflict adverse. So I don't I don't do well with conflict. If somebody gets angry, I I feel like you know, okay, we can't nothing can be accomplished because you are in lost your temper. Um, and so I really looked at this hard. What is what is um, non sinful anger look like? Um, usually, if you're displaying anger in such a way as to be, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, if there's profanity involved, if there's yelling involved, if there's demeaning or diminishing of another person involved, those are the type of things that our, our culture looks at as anger and sometimes excuses. Um, I think what anger is is the emotion you feel when injustice occurs. Mm. So you feel a sense of urgency, you feel a sense that something has to be done, something has to be done now, heightened, um, uh, you know, maybe physiological feelings, uh, adrenaline pouring in, hey, this is not right and something needs to be done. And then when, but when you take it that next step further to insult someone or to call someone out in a, in a demeaning way um, or, or, you know, it's just a typical thing that we always associate with anger. Um, I think a lot of people think that's what it's talking about. You know, they always point to Jesus turning over the tables in the temple. I wish I had mm-hmm. a video of whatever Jesus did that day because that it would, would be really interesting, help wouldn't it? Yeah, me. it would really be helpful for me to understand what non-sinful anger looks like. But I, I think we just have to be real careful with that. And again, I, I do come from the perspective of not of being conflict avoidant. Um, and other people are like, let's just jump right in, you know, both feet, like Frankie said, you know, let's, let, you know, let's not pull any punches, you know, you have to re- realize different people receive things differently. So right. um, anyway, I think that we have to be careful because a lot of people use this verse as an excuse for sinful anger. When it's, when it's but not. then they need to finish the verse because then he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So right. it's almost like you can you're you're angry. Don't let that spill over into whether it's sinful words or actions, bitterness or resentment. Yes, or, but right. make sure before you fall asleep that night, make sure that anger is taken care of. Because right. um, if you don't, that's when Satan's going to uh, get his foothold. Uh, I know this sounds hokey and corny almost, but Christy and I—that was one of the things that we promised each other when we got married that we weren't going to uh, end uh, the day without being able to pray with each other, and we weren't going to go to bed angry with each other. So how many sleepless nights have you had? There were several. <laughs> there were several. These, there were. I do distinctly remember where there were times, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, before I finally got into bed. Nine times out of ten, it was me confessing some sin and asking for forgiveness and uh, allowing humility gentleness christy was exercising patience and bearing with me uh in it but it it was something that we've we promised each other that we weren't going to do that and yes there were uh and there were nights where i never did make it to bed because i still was not doing what paul said here i was letting that anger stew and so i'm like fine i'll just sleep on the couch which was really childish and stupid because she woke up completely refreshed the next morning and I woke up tripping over everything because I was completely exhausted. So there's some wisdom in what Paul's telling us here. That's why I didn't get into fights to it until after sundown. That way I had 24 hours before I had to make up. <laughs> I'll never ask for a ham sandwich till after sundown. That's right. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Hey, that was the last podcast. Don't confuse your podcast. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Steve, were you going to say something? Um, uh, uh, that text, the the importance of truth. Um, you can you can speak non truth to a person with two different motives. One would be mm. to oppress the other person; the other, just to avoid any kind of conflict. Like in in my natural state. Um, my natural personality tends towards the the conflict avoidance um to where oh no it's it's fine it's it's not fine but i'm going to tell you it's fine because i really don't want to have that conversation right now i really don't have the the mental capacity the mental energy to to involve myself in that kind of conflict so no i'm just going to tell you it's it's fine don't worry about it 
meanwhile, I'm going to, you know, retreat into my own mind and stew about how you were totally wrong in that moment. And I'm going to be frustrated about that. So, um, the, the concept of, of speaking the truth is super important. Even, mm. even if you don't say it perfectly, um, which I'm sure is rare in the human experience where we, we confront someone and we voice our opinions and our concerns perfectly. Like, I don't, I don't think that happens too much, but speaking the truth and always trying to do that in love with the goal of reconciliation is super important, Mm. but you have to be honest with a person um, if there's any kind of conflict and you, well, the conflict will not be resolved unless you actually address the conflict. And if you're going to tiptoe around it and, you know, be dishonest about what the mm. conflict actually is, then you're not actually dealing with the conflict and therefore it's, it's not going to be resolved. So you have to be truthful about what you say. You have to be truthful about mm. what you, um, about what you're addressing. So the truth uh, in any kind of conflict scenario is super important. Yeah. So don't, which is probably why scripture talks about it that way. Yeah. And I think if you're, if you're doing it truthfully, you're not adding your take on it or you're not adding things to it. You're just speaking the truth. Cause when you start adding Mm. or Mm. kind of, twisting the truth to your reality so to speak that's when you can get really deep into a conflict because it's true yeah love that true very good true all right so uh matthew 18 uh is a passage that uh is the worst case scenario when conflict uh can't be resolved with a brother or sister in Christ. And so Jesus, again, talking here in Matthew 18, says this, If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he won't listen, take one or two others with you, so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. If he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven." For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. So, uh, Jesus does give us a pattern of what to do when we conflict has not been resolved in the church. And this is the worst case scenario where, you know, uh, I, I my disagreement with Phil about the color of the carpet has now escalated into sin. And, you know, it... it I just can't. Um, I won't yield uh, to it. This is the worst case um, scenario. Um, and so he does give us uh, a pattern to be able to uh, deal with uh, conflict within the church that is not resolved. Um, any comments about that? I've got a few things I want to say, I would, but I'm going to hear from you guys. Yeah, I, I actually would, would say, and I understand where you're coming from when you say this is the worst case scenario, but... but but actually, this is a progression, and, and the best case scenario is verse 15. Yes. You know, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him. And if he listens to you, you've won your brother. Mm. I mean, that should be happening all the time. Yes, right? exactly. It never, yes. it never goes past Great that point, verse. great and, point. And it's, it's only a, a worst case scenario if we have to go through the process. It's if we get to verse 16, right. and he hasn't listened. That's a great but, point. But having said that, even that is not bad if the person sure. has to go if you have to go through multiple steps and the person um you know does what's right eventually yes um, it's it's still still good but uh but we always think of the the worst case scenario in that someone doesn't repent and then and then there's negative consequences that yes no one wants to consider but yeah no god it was it's amazing that not everything is so clear-cut in the word of god as as this is so i think god made sure that we had a 
a process to, to go through. So, yes, and I'm thankful that he actually laid it out in clear detail uh, for us. Uh, one comment that just struck me as I was reading this, because this is all a train of thought that Jesus is sharing with his disciples. Verse 20, because it talks about uh, the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. Jesus ends this little section by saying, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there among them. So as this truth is being shared with them by the people who are confronting this brother or sister in Christ who will not yield, will not repent, um, will not ask for forgiveness, whatever the situation is, Jesus says, I'm right there in the middle of this. You know, I'm not, I'm not disassociated from what's going on here. I am here with you um, trying to rescue this brother or sister, which I think is pretty cool, actually. One final thing. It's funny. Uh, Peter uh, always seemed to want to, maybe he was just trying, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe he was just trying to clarify things with Jesus. But he says, the very next verse, after Jesus has just said, where two or three are gathered together and I'm there, then says, then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? Jesus said, I tell you, not as many as seven but 70 times seven. And Jesus wasn't just saying, no, once you get to 491, you stop. Jesus is just giving illustration. You just keep on forgiving. It doesn't matter how many times uh, your brother comes to you and asks for forgiveness. You continue uh, so that you don't revert back to what we were just saying. He was just saying about conflict not being able to be resolved. You forgive. And I think uh, we need to be wrapping this up. But that is the hardest thing, I think, for us to be able to do is to actually forgive. To forgive a brother or sister for something that could have been done that was either said that was extremely hurtful or painful, uh, something that uh, whatever that they did uh, that was extremely hurtful or painful. Uh, Andre Sue Peterson says this, says, I asked a few people if they've ever forgiven anyone and what it felt like. They gave me answers so pious I knew they'd never done it. And this is this is to me is extremely important. He says forgiveness is a brutal mathematical transaction done with fully engaged faculties. It's my pain instead of yours. I eat the debt. I absorb the misery I wanted to dish out on you and you go scot free. That's what forgiveness is. It's like all right, I forgive you. You're going to go scot-free. Even all that stuff that you said or did was extremely hurtful. I'm going to choose not to um, dish out that misery back to you. I'm going to absorb it because that's what Jesus did. Um, When he paid for our sins, that's what he did. And I think that a lot of conflict that we uh, experience in the church, if we can actually put this what true forgiveness is into practice that brutal mathematical uh, equation uh, of what peterson says here i think that will go a long way in resolving conflict within the church truly forgiving uh, when people come to ask us for forgiveness not harboring resentment or bitterness and um, moving on any closing comments from you guys i think that's a great place to to stop it with the words of Christ. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else? All right, Steve. Well, I just want to say thank you everybody for listening. Um, a couple months, we're going to take a couple month break and we're going to be back at with deliberate conversations with a new, uh, series for us to go through but i just want to thank you for listening i just want to express our love for those who are listening to us and uh let's be happy peacemakers uh and demonstrate to those who are around us that we truly are the children of god steve grace and peace y'all good night